If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, an injury update on ITB friction syndrome. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. another injury update episode. Hope you're enjoying this particular format, trying to update on the most common running related injuries. So today we have ITB friction syndrome. I did do an episode a while ago on this particular topic. It was titled ITB friction syndrome, what you need to know. And I haven't really done any other solo episodes or guest episodes that I know of around ITB syndrome. Uh, I have had a few success stories Um, which I didn't include in this episode, but I'll run you up to speed and give you an updated thought uh, around management and treatment ideas and running modifications you can make if you want to reduce the amount of ITB strain or if you you have ITB friction syndrome and you want to reduce the or help your recovery. So I want to start off by saying just a few things about ITB to sort of just run you up to speed. So ITV, the the band or the structure itself is not muscle. It's there to support and stabilize the hips, particularly when you're standing on one leg. So it's that big, thick, fibrous structure along the outside of your thigh. Attaches at the top of your hips. We actually have some muscles like your glute max and your tensor fasciolata or TFL um, and a couple of others that sort of form into the ITV and like I say, from then on, it's just this big, thick fascia that runs all the way down to the outside of your knee and yeah, becomes your ITB. Um, more or less is under different strain in different positions when your body's put under different positions. So if you are running, there are certain running mechanics or there are certain positions you can put the body in where the ITB is pulled and put under more tension or more force or more strain than other positions. Because it is thick and fibrous, it's and it's not a muscle, it can't relax or contract like any other muscle. And so releasing it is extremely difficult and I think near impossible. 
So when it comes to stretching and foam rolling the ITB, you're not really doing much. You might do some stretching that releases the muscles surrounding the ITB and then you sort of feel better afterwards. But definitely foam rolling, sort of pushing on that structure and squashing it doesn't do anything. But I do want to add that some people feel a lot better after foam rolling their ITB. And so there's probably this pain inhibition pathway. There's probably something to do with the sensitized state of the ITB. And so as long as it doesn't irritate things and as as long as it's not on the irritated site and causing further irritation, um, you can do some ITB stretching and foam rolling if you notice for you that it reduces your symptoms. And if it's temporary, just know that this is a temporary solution but long-term things, long-term strategies need to be built into your management plan for it to be long-term. You can't simply just foam roll your ITB, feel better for 15 minutes and do that several times a week and hope that your ITB friction syndrome gets better. It's just not going to work. But I do say, and I do suggest, if it does reduce your symptoms and you're happy with those short-term effects, you can do it, but don't convince yourself that you're releasing or stretching the ITB because that's certainly not happening. Um, talking about the, the strain and running form, your ITB is under the highest strain between sort of initial contact and mid stance. So when you run, when you first make contact with the ground, that very instance, we call that initial contact. And somewhere between there and the foot coming directly underneath the hips is what we call mid stance. Somewhere in that phase is when the ITB is under the most strain. And There are two main theories as to what causes ITB, which I go a bit more in depth on that original episode, but there's essentially compression or cross friction of the ITB at the outside of the knee, which is where the ITB crosses over. It sort of passes this bony ridge, which is where that localized pain is for ITB syndrome. It's not pain in the mid thigh around the ITB. It's actually on the outside of your knee where the ITB crosses over this bony ridge. And that's the site of irritation with ITB friction syndrome. And there's two competing theories. One suggests that at that site where that uh, ITB is pressing into that bone, it's due to compression. So the pain is due to compression. It's the fascia pushing and squashing into the bone. And then all the sensitive structures around that just get sore. And there's other theories saying it's related to friction. So ITB friction syndrome and the fascia itself is just rubbing back and forth, back and forth over that bony ridge, causing irritation. There's evidence to sort of support both. So it's still up for debate what the main primary driver for that pain is. But for you, it doesn't necessarily matter for treatment, for diagnosis, for management, doesn't really matter. And we just need to consider the the key principles. And so some factors that do cause this, uh, cause this compression or strain or friction is the classic doing too much too soon, doing something that's too repetitive and lacks variety, particularly if you're not used to that repetitiveness. So ITB friction syndrome is what we call a repetition injury. If you do the same exact motion over and over and over again, it can elicit that particular rubbing or compression or strain and get sore. So trail runners, if they're on a level ground and 
varying their foot placement tend to have less ITB syndrome. Or if someone is used to doing trail running and they're used to a varied foot placement and then they go to excessive miles road running where it's extremely consistent every time, that might be too much of a a change in the body that it's not used to and the ITB might start getting sore. But the other thing with trails and trail running is there's often a lot of hills and the downhill running actually increases ITB strain. And this is because when you run downhill, you hit the ground and you get that big surge of ground reaction force, but the knee is actually slightly bent or is bent at a different angle compared to when you're at a level ground. And so that particular knee angle when thudding downhill mixed with the high ground reaction forces of you thudding downhill can spike knee strain, can spike ITB strain and leave you a little bit susceptible, especially if it's a key jump. If you aren't used to downhill running, you haven't adapted and built up the strength, and then all of a sudden you do it quite often, you're leaving yourself at a high risk of developing this ITB friction syndrome. So the key factors, uh, we're looking at training factors. We're looking at uh, sometimes hip weakness. There's some research to support it, some to say not really much of a correlation. But if we talk about the mechanics and what causes ITB strain, there is some good evidence to show that if you have a a narrow step width, so uh, some people tend to, when they strike with their right and left foot, have a bit of a a wide stance. Some people run kind of like on a tightrope, so tandem sort of running, we call that a narrow step width. And some go beyond that and their right foot actually contacts onto the left side of their body, which we call crossover step width. And there's some good research to show a crossover step width increases ITB strain. You aren't a template, so your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. And so there may be some connection if you do have hip weakness. It might cause hip adduction, so the knee kind of coming in towards the midline, which may increase ITB strain. So there might theoretically be something there. But like I said, some research says there is a correlation. Others say there's not really. But if you do have a narrow step width, and you are prone to having ITB friction syndrome, or you're currently managing ITB friction syndrome, increasing the step width is something that you want to be very cautious of. As mentioned in the previous episode, I rattled off some treatment. And so some of that being um, training modifications. So no matter what scenario you're in, it could be that trail to road transition. It could be the flats to downhill transition. It could be just doing too much too soon. You could just be road running 30 Ks per week and you've bumped it up to 50 Ks per week. 
or it could just be a change in speed, uh, doing too much speed work too soon. All of these training factors um, that we identify that have been a potential link to this injury happening in the first place, we need to modify it. We remove the hills, we remove the road running, we do all those sorts of things because we've identified that as a primary source and we temporarily take that away while we manage your symptoms, when symptoms are back under control, we then reintroduce those particular elements, but just reintroduce them a bit more gradually. The second treatment option was gait retraining. Like I said, widening your step width if you do have, or if you do elicit a narrow or crossover step width and you're finding recovery from ITB syndrome being particularly tough. Um, there is some research or some suggestions around using anti-inflams, um, doing using some um, anti-inflammation medication for one to two days only. If I would say this is if it's really irritable because sometimes people can get a bit of soreness. Yeah, it's localized to the outside of the knee. Yeah, we, it's uh, the ITB structure, but their pain levels are only like a two out of 10 and it's only when they go down stairs or only when they start running. It's not really causing day-to-day symptoms. But on the severity side of things, you can get really severe ITB syndrome where walking is like a five or a six out of 10. And in those instances, I would say maybe some anti-inflammatory for one to two days, maybe some ice just to settle things down or just at least make it less irritable. And the fourth treatment option that we talked about was strengthening the hips, doing things like crab walks and hip hikes just to increase the robust nature of the hips, especially when standing on one leg. So doing some single leg work can be really helpful. So those treatment options, there's four main ones there that we've already discussed in previous episodes, it being modifying your training, modifying your gait or running form, potentially some anti-inflams and definitely some hip strengthening. Okay, to start with the fresh stuff and no longer recapping on previous episodes, I have five main topics or um, things to cover for the remainder of this episode. Number one, I don't know why I didn't mention this in the last previous video on ITB syndrome, but cadence, increasing your cadence. Maybe even if it's quite sore and you, you can, I guess, manage some sort of running volume, even if it's just small, try and up your cadence. Even if it's just unnaturally higher than usual, we don't want to go way too high, but if your optimal cadence is 172, maybe just while it's irritated, maybe try 178. And it might feel a little bit unnatural, but it might help at least you tolerate greater running volumes without it getting irritated. And that can enhance your recovery Then once things are settled, you can go back to your optimal cadence. And why we do this is because increasing your cadence reduces an overstride, but also if you have a crossover step width, increasing your cadence also reduces that crossover step pattern. And it's all about timing. If you increase your cadence, you're taking shorter, faster steps, you're turning your feet over quicker, and your body just doesn't, it simply doesn't have enough time to reach out in front of you too far or reach across the midline in time. It just doesn't have the time to do these things. And so that can be quite helpful. If you increase your, if your cadence is below optimal, you should be increasing it anyway, 
but if it's below optimal and it's around 160 or 158 and you want to try and return back to pain-free running, elevate to a, a more of an optimal range and then probably stay at that optimal range once it's better. And so ways you can do that, you can do that with a metronome. I've got some of my clients doing it to music or playlists that have a certain beat per minute and that could be quite helpful. And try it on a treadmill to start with. In practicing your cadence on a treadmill, this makes the speed consistent. So you can keep a slow, steady speed instead of doing it outdoors, work on increasing your cadences running really fast. So that's number one. I think I had in one of the success stories, someone just increased their cadence and their ITB pain went away. So it can be pretty drastic and as well as step width. Just consciously widening your step width can have a huge impact for some. Number two is just being aware of the surface and terrain. And I did mention trails, I did mention roads, I did mention hills, but there are a few other things that I want to address here that may contribute unknowingly to a crossover step pattern or a narrow step width. And these are things like slopes. So uh, a river sort of just gradually bringing the landscape in towards the water has a very gentle slope in towards the water. If you're running in one direction that whole time, your step width is different from your right foot to your left foot. And so if you're, if the river is on the left side of you, you're actually most likely cutting in with your right leg and creating that hip adduction or that narrow step width. And like I say, if it's too abrupt, if you've done it, if you're not used to it, and then all of a sudden that's all of your running consists of, it could increase that spike. Those who went on to watch that YouTube video on the 230 marathon mistakes, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, I did mention in there one person commented on their marathon running in a gutter for, I think he said for 15 kilometers, which he was looking out for his friends and his friends were meant to be in a certain section of that marathon. And so he ran wide into the gutter, which again, slopes, and he got ITB syndrome from it. And it was extremely painful afterwards. And so that's why we need to be very careful with the slopes. Um, athletics tracks. If you are running in one direction around an athletics track, the bend when you run around the bend, you sort of have to lean over to one side, which means that one side is being exposed to more of a crossover step width when the other one isn't. Same with shin splints. We want to be very careful with this particular trait. And if you do have to run around an athletics track, vary it up. Make sure the amount that you do clockwise, you also do anti-clockwise. Um, beaches. So again, um, if you are on a beach, making sure... Well, not many people should be running on soft sand anyway or sand in general. But if something you want to do, that gradual slope towards the water, you need to be very, very careful with. Combined with soft sand will just be a disaster. But I should probably say you're still allowed to do these things. You're still allowed to run on an athletics track. You're still allowed to run on slopes. It just need, You just need to be careful with it. You need to be mindful of it and make sure that adjustment isn't too abrupt and making sure that if it is sloped, that you're varying it up, you're changing your direction and 
one leg's being exposed to the same amount of load as the other leg. So it can still be done. Don't, it's not me saying totally avoid these things. You just need to be a bit more mindful. So number one was cadence. Number two was the slope terrain. Number three is a run-walk program. And this is especially important for ITB syndrome. I don't think I know another running-related condition where a run-walk program works better than ITB stuff. And like I said earlier, ITB friction syndrome is a repetitive injury. It's repetition, the same thing, the same mechanics, the same motion over and over again that causes some sort of rubbing. If it's too much, it gets sore. And the behavior of symptoms that we see with repetitive injuries is unlike, say, a tendinopathy where it might be a little bit sore at the start of your run, once you've warmed up, symptoms have subsided or diminished completely. Repetitive injuries start off okay, and then they just get worse, in most cases, exponentially worse. So your first 500 meters would be pain-free, then it's like a one for the next kilometer, and then all of a sudden it's a three for kilometer two, and then kilometer three is like up to a six out of 10. It exponentially gets worse in most cases. And that's because that repetition is just causing that irritation to further develop and it gets irritated very quickly. And so this is where a walk-run program can be really handy. You can do that 500-meter run where it's zero out of 10. And before it gets to a one, you start walking. Allow things to settle down and you walk for a couple of minutes. Then you get back into that run, which hopefully is still a zero. Then before it gets to that one, you start walking again. This is like in theory, um, but I instruct people to find the right ratio so that symptoms stay below a three out of 10. So zeros, ones, twos, relatively minor because we don't want it to get into threes and fours because then it can very easily jump to a six and a seven. Like I said, that exponential increase. And so if we can do a, a session where you're out and about and sort of doing a 20 to 30 minute session of walking and running where symptoms stay max at a two, that's so much better than doing a 20 minute continuous run where you finish at a six. And so over time, you increase the distance, you increase the duration, you still do that walk run ratio. And then as symptoms settle, and as you do all those other treatments, like the strength training, the um, training modifications, the running manipulation or readjusting your running technique, if you combine all of these things and things start getting better, then you can start manipulating the ratio, start doing more running, less walking, then more continuous running, and then slowly getting back into the running goals that you have. Number four that I want to add was just um, some quick expert opinions. And there is a particular paper titled Running Retraining to Treat Lower Limb Injuries. It's a systematic review, but also has expert opinions spread into that paper. And the lead author is Christian Barton. And not only does it have and illustrate the need to for some retraining for certain injuries, um, but also has quotes from those experts. And so I want to share some of those quotes when talking about the ITB specifically, because this paper covers all the common running related injuries, not just ITB. 
So quote one from one of these experts says, we have success with people who have not had any success with the typical strengthening of their glutes and stretching of the ITB. It's amazing. And all we need to do is reduce their hip adduction. So essentially what they're saying is, okay, for those who aren't responding to glute strengthening and ITB stretching, those sort of, I guess, classic examples to follow for treatment. What they've seen, this expert, is they keep these experts anonymous, by the way. Um, This expert has said, it's amazing. All we do is reduce their hip adduction and they get better, which is essentially reducing the crossover step width or the narrow step width, widening the knees um, and increasing hip activation that would reduce the amount of hip drop that a runner might see. So if you notice that your knees are brushing together or you can feel your knees brushing together, try and create a window between those knees um, as well as widening the step width, all those sorts of things. Um, that's one quote from this paper. The second quote from this paper says, we reduced tension within the ITB with a wider stance of gait and sometimes that does help. I found that the biggest change to the ITB has been activating those big muscles. Again, coming back to that high knee lift, which then results in greater activation. So this particular quote, yes, did mention wider stance, but then also talked about muscle activation around the glutes, hips, core, that sort of stuff can be quite nice, which would reduce the amount of strain on the ITB. So sometimes increasing your cadence would have that effect, which comes back to my first point. Um, Research has been shown that if you increase your cadence, you increase the amount of muscle activation around the hips and the knee, etc. So potentially that could have a double whammy effect for increasing the cadence because you're reducing an overstride, you're reducing a crossover, but you're also activating the right muscles to reduce the amount of strain. Okay, so number one was the cadence. Number two was the slopes. Three was a walk-run strategy. Four was just some expert quotes I threw in there. And lastly, number five is the benefit of doing some sort of uphill or stair running only if you do have symptoms and you're unable to settle symptoms with a a flat walk-run strategy. And this is because we can still maintain some sort of cardiovascular fitness while not irritating the area. We know that the straight leg or a slightly bent knee and running downhill and all those things do irritate the ITB or cause a particular strain. So how about we try mimicking the action of running but taking those way out of the equation? And we do that by doing the total opposite, which is uphill rather than downhill and or stair running. And so again, this might need to be introduced gradually to pay attention to symptoms to see if there is a particular benefit because you might be able to get a really decent workout, get a good cardiovascular test and still be able to do all those things without irritation of symptoms. And this might just be phased in for two to three weeks until, you know, day-to-day symptoms or running on the flat subside. And then you can sort of phase back into level running, but it could be a really nice tip. I will say though, if you do want to adopt this particular strategy, Don't just go out there, do too much and end up with an Achilles tendinopathy or a calf strain because you've done too many uphills. Um, Do so gradually, 
just be sensible, like every other lesson of this podcast. Just don't be impatient and don't do things that are too much too soon. But these are at least strategies that you can adopt to at least stay fit, stay doing something that resembles the running action without irritation of symptoms. So to summarize a few things, ITB, it's not muscle and it's it's virtually impossible to stretch or release, um, but some foam rolling and stretching might be warranted in the short term if it reduces your symptoms and if you kind of feel good doing it without irritation. Some key factors for high ITB strain include downhill running or a crossover step width. Treatment includes training modifications, gait retraining, maybe some anti-inflams, definitely some hip strengthening exercises, increasing your cadence, being very mindful of the terrain that you're doing, run-walk programs, and like I said at the end, maybe mixing in some uphill stair running if you find that beneficial. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. I will do another injury update. I still have Achilles slash calf to go and also shin splints. So thanks Run Smarter Scholars for listening to this episode. And remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter Scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.